0: Oh, yeah. My biggest nightmare in this is one day I'll st- forget to press the record button. And
1: <laughs> I I actually know what you mean. Uh, for a for a weird reason is because like mm-hmm. sometimes I take videos of the art, right?
0: Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And
1: it's like videos of um blood being poured, in a sense, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, yeah well, it's it's one of my fears too that I'll finish the whole thing and all that, right. and I'll forget right. to <laughs> hit record.
0: Oh, and, and you then- get to take only like you get only one take, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it depends. Am I on the first day of the period or am I on the last day of
0: the
1: period? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello guys. Hi, hi, hi. How are you all doing? Uh, I don't know why I'm asking you that question because none of y'all can answer. Uh, but anyway, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of the Alsi Activist podcast. Congratulations, you've made it this far. Uh, we are recording this on the 22nd of May, uh, which is quite a big gap from the last episode I that I uploaded. And people ask me, where is episode? Like, Nikal ahead. So the only response I have is like, bro, you've seen the podcast. Ka. <laughs> so, uh, well, we're recording this on 22nd of May and uh, the crisis of the coronavirus is far from over. And this year just keeps giving. Uh, we have crossed around 1.6 million cases in the US worldwide. I think more than 5 million cases. If as if that was not enough, India is facing... Uh, a cyclone right now on the East Coast, there's the whole migrant laborer crisis where we're being forced to look at not just the looming pandemic, but also our long standing problem with poverty. So, yeah, this year has been as bad as it could get, but amidst all of this, there was one small incident that came up and uh, it vanished as most incidents do. So I'm talking about the boys' locker room uh, episode that happened. Uh, I think this was uh, for the people who haven't been following this. So what happened was a few screenshots of some conversation between a few bunch of teenagers in Delhi leaked. This was there was there were two separate sets of uh, conversations. One was an Instagram uh, in a group called Boys' Locker Room. Where apparently, allegedly, they were sharing morphed images of uh, underage girls and you know objectifying and talking about them in derogatory language. And uh, there was another set of screenshots from Snapchat where two men were discussing about potentially raping a girl. And then after a few days, this whole episode got messy because, like, the police told that the Snapchat conversation uh, was basically a girl pretending to be a guy and talking to someone. And so the specifics of this case got a little messy and none of us did follow up the specific incident after that. But uh, the larger question still remains as to what is the, what is a typical boy's locker room conversation and why there needs to be some introspection among all men around how we talk about women uh, in the presence of other men and like when there are no women around, and how our patriarchal upbringing has a role to play in how we actually perceive women. So to talk about this, we have the perfect guest today. Uh, I have with me Aditi Chalizkankar. She is a senior of mine from NIT Suratkal. She's then moved on to uh, study. Is it product design, Aditi, or?
1: Yeah, it's like you know innovation for new products, new services that you want to launch.
0: Right. Hello, hi, hi. I'm Um, I'm I'm about to get to that part (laughs) in a bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hi.
0: Right. So hello. Uh, So Aditi studied uh, new product innovation in uh, Carnegie Mellon University. And uh, she then moved on to working for Walmart for new product uh, innovation. But uh, what defines uh, her more profoundly to me is that she is an excellent artist. She paints and she paints, oh my God, she paints really well. You should definitely check out her social media and uh, she has some amazing stuff out there. So, but why her is because she we'll get to that in a moment. So, but meanwhile, hi, Aditi how's it going?
1: Hi, Aniket, it's, it's going good. And thank you so much for having me and all the lovely stuff you've said about me. It's very kind of you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all well-deserved. And uh, so, Arithi, give, give us, walk us through like what your life is and uh, how would you yourself define uh, yourself as an artist and what are some of your inspirations and stuff?
1: Uh, that's an interesting one and a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my life right now, there's a lot of COVID stuff in the day-to-day. But I feel like you're maybe asking a slightly different question. Um, as an artist, I've I've start I started quite early, and you know, like when we were when we've been in school, we were all encouraged to do different kinds of things and whatnot. Um, I took some painting lessons, um, and my teacher was a good one, and I was enthusiastic. Uh, and everyone around me was very encouraging. So, you know, my grandmother would say, yeah, keep painting. Even after my teacher left, she said, do it on your own um, and keep trying and paint from photographs and things like that. And so I I just continued. Um, at one point, you might laugh at me. At one point, I was, I, I was very actually afraid that I'm not creative and that uh, my, my ideas are all... Uh, copied because I was you know like I was copying other paintings because that's how you learn right when you don't actually know how to how to paint that's how you learn you you start copying stuff
0: right. um, uh, but forget yeah. about laughing at this I might just cry at this because that, that's been like a daily occurrence for me I've been thinking <laughs> a lot about this especially with so much free time on hand
1: yeah yeah I get that, that really
0: different. yeah there's just the guilt of like not doing something you know more than the Textbook definition of what life looks like is it's it's just been killing me for the last few days.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like you know, four podcast episodes, no big deal, and all that.
0: Yeah, hopefully this will continue, (laughs) and I'll continue (laughs) to find interesting conversations and people.
1: Yes, I hope so.
0: Right. So, uh, Aditi, I've been told that you know, uh, for artists, of course, you begin with you know copying stuff, and uh, you know it's of course you're learning the skill and you're not actually applying it yourself back then. Yeah. But from there to, you know, actually connecting your art to the ideas that you have or the larger influences that you have in life and then creating a masterpiece out of it. How does one go, go through that journey?
1: Um, That's an interesting one. I don't know if I've reached masterpiece level yet. Um, It's really nice of you to ask though. Mm I appreciate that. Um, but I think I think what happened for me was uh, I had to make I had to make some kind of you know leaps of uh, courage for myself. It, it it felt scary, but I had to start um, having ideas and trying ideas. Um, and some of them turned out well. Some of them turned out badly. Uh, you know, and I mostly don't post those ones, uh, yeah. though I've thought about doing it. Uh, but I think. Uh, it, it kind of starts there that, you know, uh, you, you have an idea and it might not be a lot different from what exists, but you try it. Um, and then you sort of learn how to express your thoughts and feelings and emotions in, for, for me, it's in a visual way, right? Um, and then as you get better at expressing thoughts, and you start having more thoughts, you um, you, Mm -hmm. somewhere
0: that originality comes into your work, I think. Right. Yep. That is interesting. Uh, so for, to just bring us back on, uh, the main gist of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So the reason I have Aditi with me today is of course, we're talking about patriarchy and the ways in which we can challenge patriarchy. I think Aditi has taken one step in this direction in, I would say, uh, it's kind of both bizarre as well as I find it extremely cool as well. (laughs) So Aditi has uh, for a few months now has started painting with her period blood. And I understand for someone listening to this, it might just be a little too much to sink into. I wish I could show you some of these paintings, but because this is an audio medium, uh, let me rephrase that or like let me repeat the same sentence aditi paints with her period blood and i understand the kind of emotional reflux that people are going through listening to this at this point and aditi this was the exact reaction i had so for f- at you know the first moment you're just taken aback you don't know how to react to that at all
1: yeah I get but that
0: yeah so uh, and then the, there's this whole roller coaster of emotions that one goes through first i felt com- like very disgusted by it and you know the I'll, I'll tell you the entire journey that happened with me so yeah. i was looking at i was scrolling through my uh, social media feed i find this painting oh nice aditi's paintings are amazing uh, i've always loved those very nice artwork and then there's a very long caption i kind of find it interesting, start reading. And then I discover that, oh, this is period blood. And then for a while, my mind blank goes blank and I don't know what to think about it. But then slowly, first uh, wave of emotions is complete disgust and, you know, why am I having to look at this? This is gross, all of that. And I sort of have this, uh, you know, uh, i have a slight phobia of looking at blood so even in movies and all where there's too much gore i don't appreciate it a lot i don't uh, like watching that sort of sort of stuff so looking at blood like that kind of made me a little uncomfortable but then the next wave of emotions uh, that came by were around okay if i'm having to go through so much right now looking at this something from so far away, imagine what it would be for a girl who goes through this every month. And I having grown up around three women in my house, had two sisters and mom, I've never had to look at this and it just feels so much. uh, And it just felt so bad that, you know, these women have been going through this all through their lives. And if, if as if it, That itself was not a challenge big enough. They also have this additional challenge of, you know, maintaining that taboo status of the thing where you're not supposed to, you know, I used to watch these women uh, go into the bathroom with carry bags and, you know, bring their pads in black carry bags and always have this newspaper wrapped thing. Like, you know, as if someone seeing that would, you know, like do some major damage to the reputation of the house or some, some stuff like that. So I slowly started, it, it, the idea started sinking into me of what you were trying to convey through that. So, but I want to get this from you first. So let's get this out of the way. What was your idea behind doing this?
1: Um, so, Ankit, firstly, like, thank you for sharing all those emotions. I think I, I really like to hear about how people react to, this kind of art. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And one thing you can say is whether it's good or bad, most people do tend to have a reaction to those particular pieces of art of mine. Of course. Um, Yep. Yeah. And so what did, what, uh, so you asked me, what did I want to do? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was sort of a continuation of uh, some other artwork I was making. Um, uh, like there was this project when I was at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, it was a student project one for one of my courses. Um, mm-hmm. And we made this really beautiful thing. Uh, it, it kind of sits at a restaurant table. Again, you know how everyone keeps checking their phones at a restaurant. So we wanted to sort of encourage people to keep their phones away. And this thing would make a painting very slowly over the course of your whole meal if you kept your phone away. Okay, and it would do this by dripping paint down on a canvas. And that was just paint. Okay, um, And then, so, so kind of just consider that I had that in the back of my mind and I had worked on that project. Um, and I had made these paintings by dripping paint and stuff like that. And then, uh, as an engineer, you know that, you know, when, when technology changes, uh, you know, when, when a new technology gets used, sometimes... Um, that causes a lot of other changes as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. For me, the technology that changed was that I, I had been used to using um, sanitary napkins and tampons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, I started using a, a menstrual cup, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, okay? And yeah, and so um, I just want to check like, you know, how much you've heard about these and do you know the differences and things like that?
0: Right. Uh, I have definitely heard about sanitary napkins and both tampons. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I don't think I'm very familiar with uh, menstrual cups. I know how they work and I know how like the mechanism of it. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure uh, about the specifics of, you know, why, what the benefits of one are over the other and why should one use one or the other. Yeah.
1: So, so kind of very briefly, right, um, sanitary napkins and tampons both absorb blood. It's basically a bunch of like cotton or cloth or some kind of absorbing material. And mm-hmm. um, you wear it and it, it absorbs the blood that comes out and make sure that it doesn't go all over the place and all that stuff. Right. Um, a cup kind of works a little differently. Um, a cup is very much what it sounds like. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cup made of a silicone material. Uh, and it collects the blood. Okay. It doesn't absorb it. It collects it. Just like if you put a cup of in, in front of a tap, um, under a tap, it would collect the water. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can, you, you wear the cup for some amount of time and then you can take it out and you have to throw that blood away.
0: Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and so what happened to me in terms of the change in technology was that I, I wore that cup and one of the first few times that I took it out and I was pouring out blood Mm-hmm. Um somehow it made me think about how in a project we had poured down paint and that had made this beautiful artwork. Right. And yeah, and, and then I thought about how pouring this blood away feels kind of like a waste. Mm-hmm. And it, somehow, you know, it just sparked that connection about, oh, I could make a painting from this. And that thought was exhilarating because mm-hmm. it, it felt very different from everything I'd done before. Right. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I I couldn't actually make it uh, I think during that period because mm-hmm. it might have been close to the end and you know life was a little busy and um, I, I just maybe I was a little overwhelmed by the thought at that point and I needed to plan this thing out a little bit and kind of come to terms with it myself right um, yeah. before I made it mm-hmm. but then th- that's that's kind of how everything started.
0: Mm-hmm. But what was your inspiration like so then of course you might be thinking of like the end product and uh, of course it's a beautiful piece of art, but you kind of expected that you wouldn't like, not everyone would accept it and welcome it with open arms. You knew there would be some people who would, you know, have like a reflex reaction to this. Yeah. How did you think and what did you want people to actually feel looking at this?
1: Um, so I, I wanted people to feel something, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted people to feel some emotion. Um, I was also partly doing it for myself and for the amount of, you know, creativity that I felt when I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of other people, I did find it exciting to be doing something um, which was different. I knew that this would start off conversations. And I think starting conversations was the the main thing here. And You know, I, I wanted to kind of challenge maybe some some beliefs, um, and maybe put put a few of those beliefs to the test. You know, I I know that we all, including myself, mm-hmm. we 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 say that okay, there's nothing wrong with period blood, but um, this is a it's it's not a test. I'm not going to say it's a test, but it's it's an example. You know, and what that example does to you is very interesting between what you intellectually think of your beliefs and then what this example actually shows um, your, your feelings to be, you
0: know? You know, I completely agree with that because I was, of course, like, you know, when you le- read a little bit of liberal literature and you are surrounded by, you know, fairly liberal people you kind of understand these ideas of, you know, okay, it shouldn't be a taboo. It's fine. Like, every woman bleeds. It's fine to, like, it, this shouldn't be something that we shouldn't be discussing about openly as if it's a taboo yeah uh but it's it's one thing to like just read and talk about it but completely different when you actually are made to face the actual mm. process of going through you know how yeah. difficult a period looks like and you know yeah just looking at the amount of blood out there gives me a slight <laughs> <laughs> Right. So I, I found this very interesting. and But how did you actually go through? So we're all basically brought up in like the kind of slightly conservative environments where, you know, all these topics like, you know, sex and even periods are to a certain extent taboo. And even if our parents are not completely against these ideas, they still, it's it's a hush-hush matter within our households. Yeah. Uh, from that to actually putting it on a canvas and then letting the whole world see something that is as personal as that. How how did you actually go through that journey? Like did you find it comfortable to actually post it out on social media openly? And did you actually have to go through a lot of self-convincing before you did that?
1: That's so interesting. Um, you know, I, I do want to say just to just to uh, you know clear my parents name that i think mm-hmm. they they are um, some of the more liberal parents that i've met and heard of mm-hmm. um and in that sense i've been quite lucky that they've been very supportive and they were actually part of that journey that you're asking about right like what was the journey like for me to post this and all that um mm-hmm. so i i think the the journey it, it was an emotional journey for me um it was it was a journey even to make it and you know i've attached um videos of that first painting that i made so like on instagram you'll have to um, i guess go go click that right right arrow button thing whatever um and in in that video you can see that i i say you know hey i'm about to make a painting with my menstrual blood. And you can hear me in, in my voice, how weird it sounds even to me. Right? right? Yep. Uh, yeah. And so it, it certainly felt really, really weird to me uh, when I was doing it. N- no doubts about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had planned to make it and throw it away. Um, if nothing else, because I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what would happen once I did the pouring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, okay, worst case, I'll just make it and throw it away and it doesn't matter. Like no one will know, kind of thing. It's just an experiment. Mm-hmm. But then I made it and I said, okay, let's let's see what happens. And then it, it dried like a scab does. You know, if you've ever fallen mm-hmm. down and hurt your knee, it dried like blood scabs. Right.
0: Yeah. Um
1: yeah. And then and then um I think then then I was like, oh my gosh. So I actually made it and now now I I've got to decide what to do with it. And then I took a picture. Um, And the first thing I did was share it with some friends of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, like, there's kind of two major, very important groups of friends I have. Um, Mm -hmm. One is from, one is from NITK, my, my wingmates, Mm -hmm. And the other is my high school friends. Again, I said, Hey, guys, do you want to see something pretty weird? I I did something really weird. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. And so I, I showed them and they were like, you know, they also went through that, Roller coaster of emotions. Right. Um, yeah. And, but then I, when I decided, when I was thinking about whether or not to post it, um, I told my, I was talking through my, uh, this with my parents. And, you know, my parents are great. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they do sometimes worry about these crazy things I do, which I don't blame them for. Right. Um, And so they were like, yeah, interesting. Maybe just think about whether you want to post this on your public social media or not. Um, And I said, okay, yeah, I'll think about it. And I did think about it and I decided to do it.
0: Uh, Mm.
1: Yeah, so that it it was a journey, but I'm glad I took it.
0: Yeah, I'm glad too, because that's something that actually it gives me me so many ideas to think about. (laughs) One was definitely, you know, how fake my own wokeness was like you know it's one thing to just read and you know understand these ideas but another to actually uh, have to face it up close and personal so that was one thing uh, that I realized from that and the second thing was uh, there's so many weird ways in which patriarchy works I mean there's obviously one of the larger conversations around you know security of women and violent sexual crimes and all of those which are more easily visible and uh, difficult to deal with, but then there are so many small ways in which all of us endorse and uh, live with patriarchy in our daily lives. How does it make you feel then knowing that you know a lot of people go through that emotional roller coaster, but at the end of it they do come around and you know come to appreciate these things yeah, but then there's interesting oh sorry. Uh, but- Yeah, then there are some people who actually never make that complete journey and then they actually get stuck at the first part As okay, this is gross and I don't want to deal with this anymore. How does that make you feel coming from, you know, some maybe close friends of yours or
1: something Um, like that? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I I do want to say like, I I don't think just because you went through that rollercoaster and, you know, your first emotion might have been disgust. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that makes your wokeness fake, right, to use your language uh, I think it's re- because as you said, a lot of these things um, we we absorb through society and all the influences around us um, and I think a really important decision is what you do when you actually are confronted with that uh, conflict of what you feel versus what you think mm-hmm. and you know, you made one choice, so I, I don't think personally that this is what makes your wokeness fake, right? right. Um, but, but for, for some people who you said never make it, um, I don't know. And it's it's really weird because you know the in terms of the reactions to these paintings, um, I was I was overwhelmed by the positive uh, reactions that I got. Um, and this odd phenomenon started to happen in which, people who had negative reactions wouldn't really tell me about them, but they would tell my friends about them. You know, like, so the people who are like one layer around me, like my, my um, first degree connections, you can call them, I right. guess, yep. Um. have, have heard, um, like, Oh my gosh, what did Aditi do? Like, what's that weird, disgusting thing? Right. Um, yep. Yeah. And I guess what that makes me feel is uh, it's, it, it just makes me feel very curious like why do they continue to think it's disgusting what part of it um and what what's made it that way like has something influenced them i'm i'm very curious
0: right yep so but some of the classic arguments i've heard I've, I've actually shared this among my some of my friends and have oh, gotten definitely. all sorts of reactions from that yeah, yeah, and yeah I was surprised actually I was expecting more of a positive reaction from a lot of my women friends mm-hmm. but it was surprising to me that even they would say okay it's fine I mean yeah all of us have to deal with it but this is something that I would actually want to like just be get like done with and never look at it again
1: yeah, yeah. I, I don't guess.
0: get the idea of, you know, holding on to it and trying to create art out of it. I mean, is there no other way to actually start this conversation is this the only way? Oh, yeah, yeah. To those I the only answer I had was that see, if it was anything else, if she would have written like a long post, I probably wouldn't have read it myself nor would I have <laughs> shared it among us. Right. So just the fact that we're having this conversation means she's already achieved what she wanted to probably. Yeah.
1: That's
0: nice. That's that's really nice to hear. Right. So, uh, as the, so, thinking of this, uh, you know, the way that a lot of these reactions are coming is one testament to the fact that, like, we are not comfortable as a society with a lot of these ideas. Yeah, that not yet. We live through many of these re- realities, but never like try not to confront them. Mm-hmm. And with the whole boys' locker room thing. That was also one such uncomfortable truth for me, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I mean, I've, um, mm-hmm.
0: Just
1: just before you get into boys' locker room, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I can make a comment.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. So you you said that you shared it and there were there were a lot of women who said, you know, this is just something I want to be done with. Mm-hmm. Um and that I I find that comment really interesting. Um, I've heard some similar stuff because my first period painting actually said. Um, It it says the words, Mm
0: -hmm. this is the
1: first time uh, I've been excited for my period, right?
0: Right, yep, I remember that.
1: that. Yeah, yeah. And so that tells you that before this, I've never been excited for my period. And making this kind of artwork actually changed how I experience periods. It's not something which I hate anymore. And it's Mm -hmm. not something which I'm just like, oh, but it's like, oh, this is, uh, ek painting and, ga, ha, ha, ek painting hae, exactly ek kuch creative output karungi. like you know what that feels like right when you right. hit the I, I don't know what it is with is a like submit button for your podcast episode right
0: yep. yeah so Precisely,
1: like yeah. Yeah, 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 so now now that's the kind of feeling I get. um but I do understand that you know if if you don't actually make this kind of art um or if like in in the normal scheme of things, there isn't really much to look forward to with a period. Um, I've heard. Yeah, people I can understand say,
0: that. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It must be such an arduous task in itself. I mean, oh God, that is it's one thing it's I'm it's thankful it's, for. Yeah. That is sort of the biggest male privilege that one could have, if you'd ask me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't disagree. I won't disagree.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's interesting. So, basically, not just uh, gives you a creative output, but also eases out one of the biggest pain points like this. Yeah, is... yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, I think women also, when they, when they see the painting, experience it differently from how men experience it. Okay. Oh,
0: tell me about that. That is interesting because <laughs> Yeah. how does that work?
1: Uh, so this is my theory. Okay. So like you told me about, and I've been uh, writing some of this stuff down. I'm a nerd at heart. Um, you said that the first thing, first your mind went blank, then you went through disgust, then you went through like introspection and all that stuff. Um, there's there's one, one thing which a lot of women ask me, which no man has ever asked me yet when they look at this painting. Okay. And that question is, Aditi, what about the smell? Okay. So oh. yeah. Did you, did you ever think about the smell? Like was, was it a part of your thought process until now?
0: it wasn't actually because i've never thankfully we don't have to remember what blood smells like now that you're telling uh-huh. me yeah i can actually imagine that smell of you know that r- raw rusty iron in the blood kind of a smell sort but of yeah, a i've of ne- so. i've never had to experience that myself thank god
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's actually a different uh, sort sort of different smell um because it's it's the smell of like And I I really don't like it, right? Um, And it kind of, when you wear um, a pad or a tampon, there is a smell, okay? Mm -hmm. And most of the women who I talk to have worn pads and tampons. And so they they don't only experience this intellectually. Uh, My opinion and my kind of theory is that a lot of women who see this experience it very viscerally. They experience it as a memory, okay? As a memory of their own periods. And they know what period blood smells like, um. And but usually my answer to them is, uh, "Hey, guess what? Surprise, surprise! It actually doesn't smell when you wear um a menstrual cup."
0: And oh
1: well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just I do want to put that factoid out there. Um, mm-hmm. it it's kind of life changing how uh using a cup changes a lot of different things. Like it. It is a very different period experience wearing a cup versus wearing a pad or a tampon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I kind
0: like
1: of wanted to sneak that in somewhere. Right.
0: Yeah. Does it have any uh, like outright advantages over the other two, or
1: uh, just yeah. another form? Yeah. Yeah. I think it has some, um, and you know, it depends on you whether you think they're valuable advantages. Um, but uh, number one, uh, a cup can be reused. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, you you kind of use the cup and then um, you wash it and then you use it again, right. next period or next same day or whenever you need to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which means that number one, you're spending so much less money, uh, personal benefit. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's much better for the environment. Okay. Because you can use a single cup for like it de- depends cup to cup, but you can use it for like five years, 10 years, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. So there are some benefits and then, um, Weird other stuff, maybe, um, it, I mean, I, like you might find it weird. I don't know, uh, but it's, um, it, it really helps in the shower uh, because that, that's a, that's a point where, you know, if you're wearing a pad or a tamp, if you're wearing a tampon, you can, you can shower with it, but yeah. if you're wearing a pad, you can't. And that means that um, while you're showering, it's fine. But then when you get out of the shower and you're kind of toweling yourself dry, there's right. the, oh no, I'm, I'm, I have to finish drying myself fast but I also can't get the towel dirty um, and I have to wear my pad fast and blah, blah, blah. And I think like a cup really does help with that, but to be fair, so does a tampon. So yeah.
0: So a lot of logistical benefits.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Got it. All right. So uh, is there anything else you would want to add to the whole period uh, painting conversation? I'm sure you've, you've already had a lot of discussions around this and, is there anything else that I might be missing out on asking?
1: Um, there was an interesting incident uh, in which sort of I, I posted out posted an Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Okay, something like, um, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but I said, would you be interested in making a period painting yourself kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't know, I didn't expect necessarily a whole lot. But I, I got some pretty positive responses from it. Again, mm-hmm. a lot of people said, yeah, I would, I would consider it. And then, um, there's, uh, like there, there's one person who actually went ahead and and made one of her own. It's an aunt of mine. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And, and when she was talking to me, like she was very nervous before she made it. Um, but then as she made it, she was like, oh yeah, this is actually kind of exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I've, I've sometimes thought just because I'm a product designer and, um, I'll I'll put a disclaimer, you have to come up with a lot of bad ideas before, like along with the good ones. So I don't know whether this is a good one or a bad one, but I would love for some of the, you know, companies who make period products and sanitary (laughs) products and stuff like that. Could you like everyone right now aims for um, I'm going to make it so that your period is not uncomfortable. Okay. Right. Yeah. But. Could you, could they aim for, I'm going to make it so that your period is actually exciting and interesting. It's an interesting time in your life. Um, right. You know, like maybe part of the packaging lets you, it's, it's like a DIY kit to make a period painting or something like that.
0: Um, nice. Yeah. That's that's an interesting idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think you should pitch. Yeah. And it, just talking about this makes me question so many things. So you remember, uh, so the advertisements for all these sanitary products are so weird and vague.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially
0: in <laughs> India, there's this like, exam fail or and then like stay free and then, okay, she's stopping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're really weird. They, they are, they are very, very weird. I right. agree with you. Yeah. Um, I had a question back for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I'm curious about, you know, you don't have to share because it's, it's maybe about someone else so it's your choice about mm-hmm. you take a call um but i was curious about how you said you had three women in your life right, right. um and I, I wondered if you'd shared this with them how they reacted that kind of thing
0: i actually haven't gotten to talk to my sisters about this i mean we i did uh tell them about you like when uh, especially like right before we were recording this mm-hmm. i had a call with them like i think last week and i said there's this person i'm going to talk to and this is what mm-hmm. she's done yeah, but okay. we we haven't actually gotten uh to the point of actually discussing about yeah. the specifics of this yeah, it'll yeah. be actually interesting i will let you know how they react to please especially do. at yeah. least after listening to this episode
1: yeah please do please right because,
0: yeah. yeah, I'm sure they'll have some interesting insights and takes yes. as well. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm sure they will. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, if, you know, and you tell me if you want to mm-hmm. move on, there's maybe just one more thing I want to talk about. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Feel free.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think people, like, it, it's kind of intertwined. There's this other painting, which I've made. It's a period painting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it sort of demonstrates how people have a journey of what they feel, right? So, right. the, yeah, like the first time when I told my mother about this, um, she she was like, and you know, I really love her reaction. She she said, "Oh, uh, Aditi, that's making me feel really odd, but it's okay. Tell me about it, but tell me quickly." Right. <laughs> so, I like I love how supportive she is, right. and um, then then we went through the whole uh, you know think about whether you want to post it or not, and but the whole time it was very open. You know, like Aditi, mm-hmm. you make the choice. Um, right. and then, uh, I made a couple more. Okay. And, uh, I was, I was, um, in the making process, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I usually make a stencil, okay. Like when I, when I want, um, to pour and I, it's some text, like I'll, I'll cut out a stencil and then right. I'll put wax on that stencil. Mm-hmm. And I was making the one which asks you, like if Lakshmi Devi is on her period while you're doing a Lakshmi puja, will you invite her into the house or will you not? Mm-hmm. Um, and initially, I I don't know how uh, I, I I didn't know how far over the line I wanted to step. Um. Right. So I I was just gonna say if if a goddess, um, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, is is on her period, will you invite her in? I didn't right. want to specify which goddess and stuff like that. We were actually very close right. to a Lakshmi Puja or Ganesh Chaturthi and stuff like that. Right. Um. But then, uh, I was I was discussing this with my mom and I was like telling her about it, mm-hmm. and she said, Hey Aditi, no, I I think um you shouldn't just say if a goddess is on her period, you should say if Lakshmi Devi is on her period, because um, Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth and prosperity. You know, Um, people might turn away Saraswati and other goddesses and stuff, but are they really going to turn away money? So yeah, yeah, put Lakshmi in your painting and stuff like that. (laughs) That is
0: so cute, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so it, it sort of shows the art that my mom also went through, right? In which first first she was like, uh, you know, tell me quickly. And then she was like engaged and she was uh, participating in the process of making this art and stuff. So I I thought that was really interesting. Right.
0: Yeah. And that is true because uh, I've, I mean, maybe my sisters have, but uh, because they actually faced this. But I've never had any conversation about periods in my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. growing around Three Women, I used to look at early sanitary products lying around in the house. And as a kid, I was super curious as... To, like, did, you ever,
1: at, did you ever ask?
0: I did. I mean, I tried to, and then there was some sort yeah. of deflection. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. very early on, as kids, you kind of understand that there are some conversations that are off limits. Yeah, you should not. Yeah. So yeah. when they say don't ask this, that means that it's something that's supposed to remain hush hush. And
1: correct, correct. Yeah. And I, then I, you
0: I, you kind of you know try to figure it out on your own, and then there are you know some friend of yours has some idea from somewhere and <laughs> yeah. they'll tell you a hundred different things.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah, that's really a weird. weird ideas speak, right. Speak up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even want to get into those. But uh, <laughs> overall, yeah, I feel like that there's definitely a need to be more about all of these conversations because it's just biology, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're going to escape this through like your entire life you have to face this yeah. at some point
1: yeah yeah. and you know there's a there's a really weird um, analogy I sometimes make mm-hmm. which is probably going to gross people out so much mm-hmm. so at the risk of doing that um, mm-hmm. if you if you think of it and like sometimes and this is maybe it'll sound like it's off topic but okay. you know some people try and debate like is uh, you know egg um, from chickens mm-hmm. is it veg or non-veg or stuff right. and To that, I say, you know, the egg is basically the period of the chicken. It's an unfertilized egg. And that's what a period is. Um, And yeah, so, you know, people, people experience a similar process. People are very close to a similar process on a very daily basis, um, but maybe don't think about it the same way.
0: Right. Yeah. It's true. I mean, that's a good way to to turn someone into a vegan, (laughs) I suppose.
1: (laughs) Right. I know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Hey, with this, there, there was one very offshoot thing that I, without getting too much into it, just wanted to get your opinion. Uh, Shoot,
1: yeah, go for it.
0: So, th- this whole conversation about uh, Sabri Mala Temple, where you know menstruating women are not supposed to enter, mm-hmm. what's your view on that?
1: Ah, uh, um, like you're you're going straight for
0: it. I mean, um, this is a very uh, nuanced conversation, but I just want to like get that out of you first
1: yeah i get it um so my view is and you know i should say that while i've been born a hindu um i don't have a, a deep belief you know right. in, in the in the practices um I, I kind of just live my life as a good person and that's what i try to do um and so i, I don't have that emotional attachment that a lot of people do um, and that probably contributes to like my belief about a lot of religions. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's not just religion, it's a lot of tradition. Um, I think there's a lot of positives to tradition. But I think that many traditions are actually ways of controlling society. And you know, one part of society controlling other parts of society. Right.
0: Um,
1: and I, I haven't studied the Sabrimala issue at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know any of the context, Um, but my instinct sort of puts it closer to that category of a thing that, you know, people use to try and control women or try and make them feel a certain way and try and make men feel more special, women feel less special. I don't know, even if if that's not what the purpose initially was, I think that's how it makes people feel now. And that's something we need to think about.
0: You know, uh, with a lot of these social issues, I generally have a clear idea of what I believe and, you know, what school of thought I belong to. But especially when it comes to feminism, I find myself in a position of, like, you know, being conflicted between two ideas that seem equally plausible. And this was one such issue because, you know, on one hand, there is a fair argument that, you know, that it was a tradition set which needs to go just like many of the other... Uh, regressive traditions were. Yeah. But then this whole angle of, you know, I mean, the entire premise of religion is based on faith. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And the idea, like the faith in that particular temple believes mm-hmm. that, you know, the God Himself doesn't want to see menstruating women. Now, right. if, how do you then build an argument? How do you build a scientific argument against an idea which is? completely based on faith
1: it's really hard isn't it like and i think that's what's sometimes really convenient for um it's it's convenient for things which you can't easily argue with um
0: right yep Yep. faith has definitely been a tool for you know yeah propagating ideas that need a lot of explanation otherwise
1: yeah yeah and you know there's some parts of faith which are beautiful um, mm-hmm. And at the at the root of them, many many religions actually preach, you know, very good things. Right. Um, but it like you know people can also use them to do all these other things. Right. So yep. It's kind of regrettable.
0: Yep. I mean, I'm I'm. This is one place where I'm completely conflicted. I don't don't even know if see either you believe in the faith or you don't if you believe in the faith then the faith says you're not supposed to go if you're a menstruating woman then don't go and if you don't believe in the faith then i mean why do you want to go at all like
1: you know to to an extent yes um, but i i sometimes think that faith um, may not be as as black and white as that like it, it certainly right. seems in in the short term it is mm-hmm. right in the short term it, it sort of is but um, i think faith is also influenced by um, especially hindu faith is Decently influenced I believe by by you know change right and yep. and can change um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and things that were once okay are now not okay, and you know how you know people who have lived and walked amongst us achieve the status of gods um right like people right. become uh-huh. godlike and stuff like mm-hmm. that so I think there can be some change um yep. i think it's it's very incumbent on people who feel like they are part of that faith to mm-hmm. to, to think about you know what they're part of um, and yeah I, I think that's an important consideration as well I, i'm not saying that all the responsibility lies on them. I'm, I'm not saying that yeah but yeah. if you yeah if you if you reap some of the benefits maybe it's also important to think about what else is happening in in that same uh group
0: True. True. That is definitely true. I mean, there's so much nuance to each of these topics that they can be complete episode and a half in themselves. So that's I don't want to get too much into this. I want to keep yeah. it for a different day. Uh, so yeah. before we actually get into like this whole issue of you know broadly feminism and specifically about the whole boys' locker room issue, mm-hmm. do you want to take a quick break maybe? And then we can come back and start. I think that's uh, a good
1: idea. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. Sure. So, uh, you can put it on mute and I'll see you at, uh, 10, 10. Does that Hey there. Hello. Hi. So uh, hello people, uh, before going on this break, we talked about some heavy stuff uh, and we have heavier stuff coming up. So, yay! Uh, so Aditi, f- what are your comments on this specific issue? Like the whole boys locker room thing, um, uh,
1: a lot of comments, a lot of thoughts, mm-hmm. personally, you know, before you um, before you messaged me and said that you wanted to talk about uh, period paintings and feminism and the boys' locker room incident, mm-hmm. I had maybe been slightly avoiding reading a lot about it, um, mm-hmm. just because sometimes it's difficult uh, to 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 read about incidents like this. Um, it it makes me think about just how many incidents there are. Um,
0: Agreed.
1: Yeah. yeah, stuff I've faced and it's, it, it can get down into a very dark, disturbing rabbit hole. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, but I think, you know, the overall thoughts I have are, um, I'm not necessarily super surprised mm-hmm. that it's happening. It's really sad, um, that this is happening. It's, it's also really sad that, and, you know, like I've heard some people react to it and say, um, how can you share screenshots? Um, screenshots could be doctored. Um, if there's even any innocent people um, in, in those screenshots, then you're doing a very bad thing and stuff like that. And, you know, while I sort of agree that maybe screenshots aren't an ideal way to go about it, i think it that all that does is just really illustrate how much work we have to do as a society um so that screenshots are not necessary you know so that number one people don't do this and number two if, if this happens to anyone they have enough confidence in the justice system and the mechanisms so that they they don't feel like this is the only way to to resolve an issue
0: right yep But I actually, I don't think I completely agree with uh, what you just said, because I think screenshots are a great way to go about this because.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about sharing the screenshot. Right. right? (laughs) I'm I'm not, I'm never going to say that you shouldn't speak about your experience. I'm never, ever going to say that.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's, it's pretty ideal that you know there is a form of it, in the form of screenshots it, it actually brings in some accountability uh, to you know what you can say and what you cannot say because yeah. what i noticed was that especially with you know when there's a screen in front of you and you don't know like you, you're not up and close with mm. the person you're actually messaging yeah there's a lot that can be said and there's a lot that gets said uh, okay. and there's a lot of hate that you know finds its way through
1: yeah
0: yeah so uh and there is actually not many ways to hold people accountable then i mean you could go and like you know go on a random person's facebook feed and you know write get Mm -hmm. away with it like you know there's not much that the person can do yeah correct but if by sharing screenshots you can bring some accountability on you know what Mm -hmm. kinds of ideas are being shared in these platforms i think it's a great way to I,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. And you know, like, I think, um, what I'm really, really regretting is that, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, like right now in the current ex- environment, I think just being public about your experience in whatever way you want to be mm-hmm. is, is, is quite vital. Um, because somehow or the other, many people still don't seem to understand the extent of things. Um, and. I think that consciousness is changing. Um, right. Yeah. So that's good. But, you know, yeah, like I will, I will always support someone who wants to tell their authentic story. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm regretting is, you know, like you said that some, you can just go write on, um, write in someone's message on someone's wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not much that you could do about it. If you were on the receiving end of things right. and yeah, what, what, yeah, I, I'm just, I feel sad about that. That you can't do anything about it true yeah yeah
0: and yeah it, it's kind of weird because i'm also a proponent of absolute free speech because oh, i, I think, think uh speech should not be curtailed in, in any manner even if it is hateful derogatory i mean death and rape threats are a different ball game but they don't get
1: counted
0: yeah
1: i was wondering like how yeah. free is the free speech
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, but I definitely don't, uh, you know, endorse any sort of action on someone's words, but I guess we don't live in that ideal world where we have enough state capacity to actually enforce that, you know, everyone's rights are upheld. And I mean, my freedom of speech and your personal security are both equally important and both are upheld. I don't think we live in that world yet. So no, no. That will have to wait. But, you know, what was sad for me about this whole incident was that obviously the first reaction was, I mean, who does this? I mean, this is so disgusting. Mm -hmm. And it was sad and all the, you know, rape threats and everything. So these are slightly unheard of even uh, for us. But Mm -hmm. then, like, when you dig through a little deeper, we've Mm -hmm. all been parts of some forms of these uh, boys locker room conversations where... There are things that are regrettable being said about a person or, you know, there's a lot of punching down happening. Uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of I mean, regrettable ideas being shared. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So and I felt immediately guilty about, you know, having been a part of these conversations, but having not had the gut to you know actually stand uh, against some of these things or be vocal about them. Yeah. yeah. So what it d- did very well was to give me a clear understanding that, okay, it's not cool to be a part of this conversation or ignore it. I mean, definitely n- a lot of people would not just, you know, bother contributing to these, mm-hmm. but they w- we would comfortably turn a blind eye because the person saying some things are, you know, some uh, friend of yours. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to spoil that relationship. So one thing I realized was it's not cool to be a part of these things anymore. Like yeah. you're just being either stand up and speak against these or just, you know, at least leave those, have the guts to, you know, not be a part of those conversations at least.
1: Correct. correct That's yeah. been
0: one thing I could take away right off the bat. I mean, you could agree, you could disagree, you can debate for the entire uh, month, but Mm-hmm. what are you eventually going to be uh, doing about it so what do you think are some of the things that you know should be takeaways for men in general from this whole incident
1: um and uh that's that's a really tough one uh i think you know i, I i'm more curious i want to hear what men are taking away themselves um but if i were to kind of give some, just, you know, my two cents. Mm -hmm. I I like what you said about, um, when you see these things happen, stop them, you know, or at least don't participate in them. Um, yeah. I think another one to realize is that, um, the, like when something like this happens, in terms of like a, a big incident on social media, right, in which you're talk, where we're talking about this terrible incident and all that mm-hmm. stuff, um, I think it's important to remember that uh, men and women, again, uh, actually, I'm not going to make that distinction, but different people might experience this differently, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, for example, when when some of the Me Too stuff was really getting big um it was some parts of that were a really terrible time honestly right you know because it it made me relive some like sexual harassment sexual assault experiences that i've had personally mm-hmm. um and so people who have faced um sexual harassment and sexual assault might experience these kind of events very differently. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, let me give you some numbers, which will, which will be pretty sad, honestly, mm-hmm. and quite shocking. Okay. Um. So some of the context of this is that uh, I did, when I was in my master's, we had, we, we wrote like a master's essay. It's kind of like a mini thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine was on the prevention of child sexual abuse in Indian schools. Right. Okay. And so for that uh, thesis, I, I did a lot of research on wh- what things are like in India mm-hmm. um, and uh, things are pretty bad. Okay. So um, different surveys have uh, said different things. Uh, there was there was one um, in 2007, okay? mm-hmm. um, backed by the Indian government. Um, it, they interviewed or they did a survey of 125,000 children, right. or I'm, I'm sorry, it, it might have been 1000 and a half thousand. I'll I'll have to just check the exact number on that. Um, mm-hmm. And but either way, you know, even if it's like twelve and a half thousand, that's a big mm-hmm. number. Right. Um, and over like thirteen states of India. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they found that more than half of Indian kids face child sexual abuse. So oh, just let so that so sink so. in. Yeah.
0: This let includes them. both uh, boys Sorry, and girls. And girls,
1: boys oh, and girls. Girl. Yeah. And in fact, the the second um, shocking detail is that um, in that study, they found that um, of everyone who had experienced it child um, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, 57 percent were boys, okay so more than half were actually boys. Um, wow. yeah and so I, and you know I, I don't know like I, I'm not going to get into whether whether and you know how much things change as we move into adulthood and all that stuff.
0: But right.
1: yeah, so that, that's why I'm kind of stressing that um, number one, a lot of people who have experienced some form of sexual harassment or sexual trauma um, mm-hmm. at any point in their lives, they will, they will experience, um, they they will be more likely to experience this kind of incident um, as a reliving of, of a traumatic experience they've had, right? right. And it's, it's not necessarily true for everyone, uh, but there, there's more of a likelihood um, and that's why I also don't like to generalize to like women will experience it this way and men will not kind of thing mm-hmm. because there's a lot of boys in India who, or, or you know, men, when they were boys who have experienced right. some sexual trauma. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a second takeaway for just anyone is that, you know, many of your friends, okay, if it's if it's one in two people, then mm-hmm. half of your friends are likely to be um, experiencing some sort of reliving. Um, of a traumatic incident right. so yep. you know I think treat everyone kindly when mm. this is happening
0: yep I I, I understand uh, that part yep it's, it's actually very surprising that you know more than half of the boys uh, half of the abused people were boys because
1: mm-hmm.
0: anecdotally speaking either boys are not very good with you know actually letting their experiences be known to the world or or else then you know that dynamic changes over time and you know yeah yeah so but what is interesting to me about this is the fact that uh, you know these conversations do come every few years yeah but on the ground nothing seems to be changing i was so surprised with the fact that i had this preconceived notion that you know uh of course, there's there's so much of feminism happening uh, right now, especially after what happened in Delhi in 2010. Mm-hmm. And the whole Me Too movement, at least people on social media are now aware of what mm-hmm. their boundaries are and you know how they're supposed to behave. Yeah. But what came as surprising to me that these conversations have, which used to, you know, uh, be on those street corners in those dark alleys where, you know, a bunch of boys stand around loitering and talk yeah. about these things yeah. from there to you know more modern platforms like instagram and snapchat which you know you would and WhatsApp. right i mean education we thought would solve a lot of this but it doesn't seem like it so i don't know where to we even start fixing this then
1: well i've I've heard that one a lot education solves this or, or we, we thought education would solve it but it's not Mm-hmm. But think about it, right? Like, what what is it that education is teaching us? Um, it's te- it's teaching us like math and science and history, geography. All of these are very important, but it's it's not uh, teaching us how to be respectful of each other. Um, it's not teaching us about the power dynamics that exist, um, and how we need to you know break them down. Uh, it's it's not teaching us those things. So, I, I you know. I, I do understand what you're saying about you would expect mm-hmm. education to to bring some sort of change, but if we're not being educated in those things, it may not bring a change in those things.
0: That's actually quite profound for me because I've never thought of it in this way. And especially with the statistic that, you know, a lot of school going children have experienced some of these incidents inside of the school building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then that actually beats the whole point of education, I would say.
1: I mean, like, I think I, I'm I'm hoping uh, and it, it's a topic which is kind of close to me, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, my, my thesis was prevention of child sexual abuse in Indian schools. Right. Um, so uh, I've not given up hope on the education system yet, let's just say, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it can be very powerful. Okay. Um, Like one reason is that uh, it's it's a system by which you can reach a lot of people. It's right. a huge huge platform, right? Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about uh, that, you want to you want to protect uh, kids, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you have to have the context that a lot of sexual abuse actually happens from people who are very close to kids, right? Yep. Right? It's yep. like a friend or a relative or a family member or a school teacher or someone mm-hmm. um, in that case, l- like, you know, sadly, your family is um, like, you you think that your family will be able to protect, like, if, if you're if you're trying to think about how to protect kids in society, right? right. Mm-hmm. And the fam, it's it's the family's responsibility to protect kids in society, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, many families do try and do their best um, but sometimes the family fails um, right. and in in this case I think there's a lot of systems failing mm-hmm. but a, a school is a way to reach a lot of people you know and um, I think in, in general people who, who get into schooling mm-hmm. um, I don't know maybe this is wishful hopeful thinking but enough number of them seem to actually care about the kids. Right. And I I just think like it's a, it's a way to reach 96% of people who are of primary school age, because in India, that's the, that's the enrollment and attendance rate. Right. And so if, if, if you were thinking about, I want to make a system, which is dependable, you, you cannot um, say like you, you can't influence a family outlook as much as you can influence a, a child's school environment. Right. right. Yep. So yeah. So I guess I haven't given up hope on the education <laughs> system.
0: Yeah, that actually makes me think about the pathetic sex education we had in school.
1: Mm. <laughs> there, what, what was your experience? I'm really curious.
0: It was non-existent, basically. So there, <laughs> it was supposed to be like for the press and like the school website. There had to be an event around that. Yeah. Yeah. So and the worst part about that is that you know this actually perfectly illustrate the points that we're trying to say
1: mm-hmm.
0: the sex ed class was held separately for boys and girls
1: mm.
0: which is so weird i mean <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that, that
0: kind of shows how you know boys and girls they grow up separately almost having this invisible wall between each other yes which brings in this apathy of you know even when some such horrible incident happens yeah some of these some of the men almost, especially if they're not exposed to women uh, up close and personal in their own lives, yeah, uh, it, they find it very hard to relate to and then they kind of, you know, not think of it as a big deal at all.
1: Yeah.
0: The same goes with, you know, like how with the whole period conversation, even though being so close to women, we kind of learn to, you know, never make this a part of our lives or a conversation that we would ever have.
1: Yeah, Sex yeah.
0: education also becomes one such thing, you know, where it's different for boys and it's different for girls.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: And, so you know, like
1: this whole difference, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I,
1: somehow, like, it's it provoked a lot of thoughts in me about how we, like, you and I probably live vastly different um, lives in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is just basic stuff, which I'm sure you already know. Like, right. there are, like, when, when you're going out um, to, you know, maybe chill with friends, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure your your parents would have been more concerned about your sister's safety right. than your safety. They were probably also concerned about you because bad things can happen to boys also. But mm-hmm. there's like that additional layer, right? And then, um, probably like many more girls here. And I I haven't actually ever heard of a boy being told like, "Hey, change your clothes before you go out." Um, yep, unless yep. they have like terrible dressing sense, right? Um, yep. But yeah, and so I think that there's just this like layer of things that women have to think about, and sometimes I want to make that set of things tangible in some way or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. And I have I have had these ideas in which basically you um, you link you you kind of partner up one one boy and one girl or something like that,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you have like an easy uh, I don't know button or something that the girl can press. Okay, mm-hmm. every time um she's uh, either told to change her clothes before she goes out or she's scared that hey, I'm walking back home and someone might or might not be following me. I don't even know. Right. And every time she pushes that button, um, mm-hmm. it sends like a text to the guy who she's partnered up with. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or or something. It sends it sends some sort of notification, like, hey, you should be scared. Hey, you should be scared, hey, you should be scared.
0: Right.
1: Um, and I, I like, you know, I, I somehow want to make it tangible, um mm-hmm. the, the difference in right. the emotional life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is super interesting because uh, we generally have this, there's a lot of conflict around this as well around, you know, at what point are you changing your concern for someone's safety into your preconceived notion of what security means for a woman.
1: Yeah. And it's like such a hard thing to be a parent in India. Right. Or or honestly, not just India, but many, many places around the world. Mm -hmm. um, It's so hard because you, you hopefully love your kid so much. Um, And there's like sometimes there, there are situations in which there's so little you can do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, you know, in, uh, my my mom and I have had um, a decent number of like arguments around, hey, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with you going out wearing that. Um, right. And I would be like, no, I'll wear what I want kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I, at first I was, I was, you know, angry and stuff. And I was like, Oh, how can my mom say that to me? But then I sort of realized that you know, it's not that she believes that um, that it's, my, it's going to be my fault. But she doesn't care, like, whose fault it is.
0: Mm-hmm. She just
1: doesn't want something like that to happen to me. Yep. So, yep. Yeah.
0: Now that is, it, it's a fine balance that they have to strike. And it's yeah. very understandable that even they make mistakes sometimes on either ends. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, sometimes I don't, you know, like, I don't know if it's a, if it's a mistake or not. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, these are not normal circumstances. That I mean, they, they are normal in the sense right. that they are everyday and they are all around us. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they are making they are making decisions under an immense amount of pressure, right? right. It, yep. it, it's like it's uh, like when when things like you know Hunger Games and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're put into this is, into this situation where it's like do or die, um, I, it, it's really hard to judge anyone for the decisions they make right. during that yep. time.
0: Yep, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, there's so many ideas like running around in my head. I don't know which one to talk about anymore.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what are some of them?
0: Uh, so, I was uh, actually kind of thinking of, you know, how deeply personal this whole experience is for me as well. Because
1: uh,
0: now that I, I think of it, you know, I've, I've always had these men around me who kind of go around saying very loosely. And I probably myself, might have done this way before I was actually aware of the reality Hmm. that, okay, she's sundar. So she gets things Hmm. way like she's visible. So she's got opportunities type, Uh but that it, it kind of beats me now. And now that I think of it, it makes me realize because she's sundar, Hmm. Maybe she gets thrown a couple of opportunities her way, but her everyday life must have been so difficult. I mean, to yeah. just to deal with those things, it is such a massive privilege being a guy. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: some I people, know. I've heard people, especially in the liberal side, saying things like, you know, uh, there are some privileges which bring you more privilege than others. So oh, there's, I haven't there's heard privilege that within privilege. Oh, my. So,
1: I, say, I have not heard that. What, can you tell me more about it?
0: right so basically they say you know it's better to be a girl in a upper caste than being a guy in the lower class lower oh, caste man. for example yeah
1: yeah yeah so I, there, there are I,
0: these distinctions that they make and that's, that's i feel like that is such a dumb argument because <laughs> it's it's a completely different experience i mean
1: and and it's like you know uh, i don't know it's like in in some in some situations i don't know maybe you do want to quantify this like if you're the mm-hmm. government and you're trying to decide whom to help you know but for for many situations like especially social situations and situations in which it's just like two people talking to each other mm-hmm. um i don't know why you have to make someone feel like their very terrible experience is less bad because it's less bad than the very terrible experience of someone else
0: right yep yep this is like <laughs> exactly exactly it's like you know exams mein, uh, no dude
1: like i don't know what the point is who's, who's going to win from this competition i, I don't that, get
0: it yeah yeah uh, there's actually one very interesting question before we uh, wrap this up that i want to ask so this is a very classic liberal argument Mm-hmm. Around freedom of you know choice, let you know women should have the freedom to wear what they want, and they should have the freedom to you know do express themselves in whatever way they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, completely agree with that. But what do you have to say to the people? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on whether someone should, for their uh, religious beliefs, mm. continue? Traditions which are, you know, traditionally regressive, I would say. Women having to cover their bodies to a certain extent because the God says you should do that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, a girl is born into this, you know, religiously conservative family. She grows up in that environment and she's told very specifically right from the beginning that woman in the view of God is such and such a character and... If you go against this, your God will be, you know, displeased mm-hmm. with you.
1: Yeah, that's that's not easy, right? Like, if, especially when you believe it, and right. you're told like it's going to be a sin, and like of all people, not even your mom or dad, God mm-hmm. is going to be displeased. That's that's a pretty big one,
0: right? And and then some of these women uh, are actually living with that reality in their mind, but then there are other women who are more, you know, they're feminists per se. <laughs> okay uh they bad for liberal ideas and all of these yeah but then they sometimes uh kind of perpetuate these ideas of wearing a hijab or doing a ghungat okay. so these are traditionally uh you know vehicles of oppressing women in traditional context but some women try to detach that with their historical importance and try to give it a modern spin on, oh, this is my choice to wear what I want to. And if this is what I want to wear, I will wear that. Mm-hmm. So, do you kind of agree with that? Or should people, especially feminists, be more mindful in what uh, kind of ideas they're propagating?
1: That's a really tough one. Um, I think it, it really depends on, uh, you know, like if the person is saying, hey, personally, I want to do this. Like mm-hmm. personally, I want to wear a hijab. Personally, I want to... Um, uh, whatever, you know, I I want to follow this tradition. Sure, like follow whatever personal tradition you want to. That's that's, that person's choice. And this is um, not just for women, because I I do believe that, you know, patriarchy as a system um, is is disadvantaging both men and women and people of all genders, actually. Um, You know, and so if... Like if people do want to follow that tradition, um, it's up to them. And I can, I, I have heard, you know, that people say that, um, they don't just follow it for it's a tradition. It it actually gives them, um, some kind of positive feelings, a sense of peace, that kind of thing. And, you know, so if it's a personal choice, that's fine. Um,
0: I've actually had very conflicting views with this Oh, go because, on. uh, you know, especially if you are a person who is considered as a voice for a particular cause. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically, you have some sort of power, right? It's okay. it's a sort of response, like, you know, it's a power that like you have of influencing others and, you know, having the eyeballs of so many people and, you know, so many yeah, people. Yeah,
1: like first it was celebrity culture, now it's influencer culture. kind of Right,
0: thing. yeah. So as an influencer, uh, doesn't it give you then some amount of responsibility as to, you know, what kind of life you should be leading and what kind of ideas, because there are, you know, that there are people. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So there are, let's say, if you're a woman uh, influencer, who's a feminist, and now you want to, you know, propagate this idea of wearing a hijab or a ghungat or any of those kind of things, which have traditionally been a vehicle for oppression for many women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, don't you think they would then have that, oh, that responsibility to all these women who are trying to look up to them and fight their everyday oppression through these very channels? Doesn't that look hypocritical to them then? Uh,
1: like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think one fundamental difference I feel is, um, like, I I don't know, uh, just. And oh gosh, this is so complicated, but basically, you know, a lot of women have, have said that for them, a hijab is, is not an oppressive thing. Okay. Because it's kind of, no one has ever in their lives. uh, And this is what I hear from accounts, right? No one has ever told them that they need to wear one. um, And they're doing it from their own choice. Uh, And so, I, because I, I think one of the things implicit in what you're saying is that a hijab is a bad thing right um, I mean
0: traditionally it's been and we might just be giving a religious spin to this by just calling yeah. out hijab but uh, yeah. I want to keep this secular and include other things like you know okay. having a gungat yeah, on your face yeah, or whatever no,
1: that's, that's true or or like um yeah there's there's a lot of lot of ways that every religion has some sort of restriction or the other. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I also want to bring up the point around, you know, the the mental conditioning that people go through. A Mm -hmm. lot of these women say that they're doing this on their own free will. Yeah. Yeah. But like people say, a free will is just an illusion. So for a lot of these people, it's just the conditioning that they've had from their childhood. When, you know, as Five six year old kids, you're told that you know your God will be displeased with you if you don't wear a hijab and or a, a ghoonghat or whatever. And
1: sure.
0: if you if you're uh, pr- being brought up in that way,
1: I, yeah. Like I, I hear that there are cases that you you're not always told that, and I I do believe those cases. Um, but I think your main question was not ne- like we don't have to we don't have to um decide on this right now, right? Your main question mm-hmm. is like um. Influencers and how, wh- what kind of responsibility they have. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a nuanced one too. Uh, but I think that, like, if if I were an influencer, I would think about what I'm putting out there, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I wouldn't stop myself because... Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one because I, I think it's a very personal choice for everyone. Um, and as each person, I think you, you have to, you have to think about the context, yes, but there are multiple different contexts to think about.
0: Mm-hmm right actually yep this i'm pretty sure is a very tough one to actually and I've, I've myself been trying to wrap my head around this and i've actually tried to form yeah. analogies of this yeah, with yeah. different things for example okay. what have you done? Yeah. Uh, i mean what if tomorrow a black celebrity was found uh flying a confederate flag on his apartment
1: okay. uh,
0: and how would other black people perceive it i mean yeah, ultimately yeah. it's his personal choice he's free to do that in his own yeah. property yeah but you can definitely not deny that that particular flag has a lot of significance to other people and it's seen as a form of oppression for others yeah so where do we then draw, draw the line or do we call out i mean i'm air quoting this it's not visible okay. but
1: oh like we live
0: that. in the call out mm-hmm. culture so so do we then call out these people as you know as fake influencers or fake feminists i don't know i mean
1: i mean you can always as a person you can decide who um whose influences you want to be influenced by right True. So true. As, as a person i would definitely say you know like you decide um who you want to be influenced by and i would always encourage everyone to take a good hard look at who who your close influences are and Um, what their behavior is um, and the kind of message that they're trying to put out. And if that matches with the sort of values you're trying to build your life around, I would, I would always say that. Yeah.
0: Yep. I mean, it again has the underlying assumption that you do have a free will, but we all know that is just an illusion. (laughs) So that
1: brings us (laughs) to a good
0: place to end this. I mean, all of these conversations are, you know, very intricate and nuanced and I'm, pretty sure we didn't, you know, we just bet around the bush. Yeah. One thing
1: which felt uh, good is that um, I'm sure you had so many conversations in the hostel which Mm -hmm. are sort of like this, right?
0: Right. Yep. Yep. So that was my idea of, you know, actually having, I mean, we do come across these conversations and there are if at least there is one or two ideas in a whole hour-long conversation that is worth taking away yeah it is never being taken away because it's lost somewhere like it's yeah, just yeah. said and it vanishes in the air <laughs> yeah so this is just an attempt to see uh and i've been trying to pick out all of these interesting individuals who have things to say I'm and it's been really actually
1: glad
0: you messaged me yep yep i'm glad to i mean and i'm glad we've had this conversation and this has been great
1: so yeah, thank you so much I, for I agreeing to, to do that. this yeah it's like yep. as if we have an exam tomorrow, and we need to find a way to waste time. So we talk about world problems. I know,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> that is <laughs> the story of every exam. I mean, yeah, it feels it feels like if you're doing something, I mean, you don't want to be seen as wasting time,
1: huh, but huh. you want to be
0: you oh, definitely want huh. to be doing something which is less important.
1: Oh my gosh, I had never thought about it in that way. <laughs> That's genius.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Good procrastination. I hope we pass in our exams tomorrow. So, yeah,
1: virtual <laughs> high five.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Aditi.
1: Thank you, Anike. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'll hopefully see a lot more of your paintings on your feed. And uh, soon, can yeah. you just uh, let us know your social media handles if people want to follow your work?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm on Instagram with at Aditi Charles. And I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm Aditi Charles Gaunker. I believe I am the only person with that name in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. Search for me and hopefully find me.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And this is not so funny, kit on Instagram and no one on Facebook. All right. With that, thank you so much.